On today's episode of Think Forever, we're picking up where we left off and finishing the story of Onesiphorus. If you're joining us for the first time, I recommend going back to last week's episode and listening to part one of Fight to the Finish. In the scope of eternity, our lives are just a dot on a line that extends with no end. In this podcast, I tell stories about people who believed that and lived it, so that by looking at their lives, we might better understand how to think forever. Episode 3, Fight to the Finish, Part 2. Deep puffs of hot air billowed against Oni's cheek and startled him awake. He cracked his eyes open, shielding them with his hand against the bright morning sun, and found himself staring directly into the snout of a donkey hitched to a cart. He recoiled instinctively and thumped his head against the smooth stone wall of the alley. Fresh pain shot through him, and he squeezed his eyes closed again. At least they had the courtesy to sweep me into the gutter, Oni thought, or I might have been looking at the underside of those hooves instead. He reached to touch the spot where the soldier had struck him and felt tacky blood tangling his hair. His cheek was swollen, too, probably from hitting the hard-packed ground. At least there were no scabs on his knuckles this time. He lay there, propped against the wall for a good few minutes, breathing deeply and trying to gather the gumption to move again. It had been a long time since he had awoken in the gutter. When he had worshipped at the Temple of Artemis and in her brothels and taverns, all-night revelry had been all too common. It had been no more than a justification for feeding his selfish and sinful desires. He had suffered for it. His family had suffered for it. He didn't enjoy those memories, and he had thought less and less about those days since he and his family had tasted the freedom of faith in Jesus. But waking up in the street, his head and body aching, was enough to drive his thoughts back again. Back to who he had been and who he had become by the grace of God. And he remembered his mission. He took one final deep breath and cautiously opened his eyes again. The donkey was still lazily inspecting him and nibbling at stray bits of straw. Two men, one old and one young, were unloading the cart, paying him no mind as though he were part of the grimy scenery. With one great push, Oni heaved himself to his feet and steadied his weary body on the side of the cart. He brushed the dust from his cloak and checked his belt. Gone, and his purse along with it. With a sigh, he left the hostile alley behind and slowly made his way back to the inn. Customers filled the common room, finishing their breakfasts and gossiping about last night. Hushed tones and sideways glances let Oni know his story had made it back to the inn before he did. Heard you was a bit of a scrapper. Nicholas laughed from behind his counter, 
Oni rubbed his head and blinked slowly at him. All right, all right, the innkeeper continued. A man's business is his own, I say. There's a bowl of fresh water in your room. Thought you might need it after... Well, after the night you've had. Not a soul's been in there but me, though. Man's business is his own, after all. Oni shuffled to his room and secured the door behind him, then anxiously dug into the seam of his mattress. He was relieved when his fingers felt the rough leather of a pouch with coins still inside. He laid the purse on a small table at the bedside, double-checked the lock on the door, and, with a great groan, took off his stained and torn cloak. He rinsed the blood from his hair, gently daubed at his purpling, swollen cheek, and washed the refuse from his hands and feet. The mud may have come off, but he feared all the water in the world would not remove the stench of Rome's underbelly. Oni sat on the edge of his bed and thoughtfully weighed his diminishing coins in his hand. He would have to be more careful now. After a little consideration, he decided to divide the money again, this time half into the purse at his waist and half tucked into a small cloth folded between his foot and sandal. A bit uncomfortable, perhaps, but he doubted any soldier would be checking his toes for riches. Slowly, he put on a fresh cloak, a gift from his wife before he had left for his journey. He had been cross with her when she had given it to him, telling her the money could have been better spent on provisions once he was in Rome. But he was happy to have it now, and hoped that his family was faring better than he was at the moment. His body winced under the strain of putting his arms through the sleeves. Feeling half-refreshed, he worked up the courage to go back to the common room. He dreaded more jibes, but the innkeeper had been kind enough so far, so he found a seat near Nicholas's counter. Welcome back, gladiator, Nicholas jested. Oni rolled his eyes and heaved a deep sigh. Anything left in the pot? The old innkeeper chuckled. Oh, yes, yes. And you can be sure my food will cure the pain wine leaves behind. The tallest buildings were already beginning to cast reaching shadows across the cobbled streets when Oni set out for the prison. Nicholas had given him a bit of the extra food he had left over from breakfast. Perhaps there was a kind heart behind his hardened exterior after all. This Oni tucked into a small satchel beneath his cloak, along with some fresh bandages and a little jar of ointment he had purchased from nearby vendors. The ointment itself had cost him nearly half his remaining coins, but the House of Darkness held many terrors, and he wanted to be prepared. Tullianum was on a hill in the north of the city, and it was twilight as Oni approached the vast walls. A chill breeze swept across the hillside from the west. Months of travel and weeks of fruitless searching had finally led him here, a foreboding dungeon where his friend probably awaited execution. Sentinel fires were scattered about the exterior, but at the southern gate only a single guard stood watch. He had a thin, boyish face, without a trace of whiskers upon it. 
Still, the sight of his Roman armor made Oni hesitate, and he absently rubbed at his still-wounded head. He summoned all his remaining courage and stepped into the dim firelight beside the guard. Excuse me, I'm looking for... Ho! Get back! The young man exclaimed. He was startled and his hand firmly grasped the hilt of his sword. Oni stepped back and raised his open hands in a sign of peace. I'm sorry I surprised you. Are you Gaius? The soldier shifted his feet uneasily and kept a grip on his sword. After several seconds of silence, Oni continued. I'm not here to hurt you. I... I'm looking for someone, and I think he's inside those walls. More silence. The owl sent me to your gate. The young soldier seemed to relax a bit at the mention of the name Owl, but his hand remained at his side. And what business do you have with her? he asked. So he knew the owl was a woman. Maybe he knew her personally. The man I'm looking for is a Christian, a preacher. I just want to see if he's all right. Are you one of them? The soldier had recovered his composure, and his dark eyes were cold and unreadable. Would he arrest him for simply admitting to faith in Jesus? Oni decided his only choice was to trust the young man. I am, he said and the preacher in there is my friend. He saved my life. Will you let me see him, please? Gaius stared at Oni for a moment, unblinking. No one has been to see him yet. You shouldn't have come here. He paused, then, relenting, said, For a denarius I'll open the gate, but my shift is done in an hour. You'd best be out by then, or you'll probably never leave. Oni dug into his purse and pressed a coin into the young soldier's hand. Gaius then worked the thick gate open with a rugged key, while Oni lit a small torch in the fire just outside the mouth of the entrance. He peered into the dark passage, and Gaius, wielding a torch of his own, said, Follow me. He led Oni down a winding maze of hewn stone, cold and damp and dark. The smell of sweat, blood, and refuse hung heavy in the air, and Oni had to clench his jaws to keep from retching. They passed several barred cells filled with shadowy shapes of men coughing, moaning, crying, or, more eerily, collapsed in a pile of still silence. Finally, they reached a solid wooden door without bars or a portal. The soldier fumbled with another set of smaller keys and clicked the door open. You'll have to find your own way out, Gaius said anxiously. One hour. And he retreated quickly up the long hallway. Oni paused at the entrance, preparing himself for anything he might find in the dank chamber. Gaius had said no one had been to visit the apostle yet. Would he be starved, beaten? Naked? Would he be alive? Oni steeled his nerves and ducked into the low dungeon cell. 
His flickering torch filled the room with yellow-red light, and he saw his friend, half-sitting, half-lying on a thin mat in the back corner, eyes closed either asleep or in prayer. The man looked much older than he remembered. His hair cropped close to his head. The gray of his matted beard nearly matched the pale hue of his skin. His cheekbones were sharp, and Oni could see fresh wounds on the back of his bare shoulders. A wave of emotion flooded Oni's chest. He cautiously took the few steps to the bedside and knelt to place his hand gently on his friend's knee. The apostle coughed feebly and blinked awake. He squinted, unaccustomed to the light, then realization swept across his face, and his tired eyes seemed to glow with a sudden spark of joy. Onesiphorus, what are you doing here? Paul, he said, tears of joy and sorrow mingling down his face. We heard you were... We heard there was trouble. I'm sorry it took me so long. You're not an easy man to find. He helped Paul to sit on the mat and took off his own cloak to wrap around the apostle's icy skin. I thought everyone had abandoned me. But there you are, searching so earnestly and finding me, and bearing such a fine gift. Well, it's more your color anyway, Onesiphorus said. He broke off a bit of bread and gave it to Paul, then lifted a ladle from a shallow bucket near the bed. It smelled stagnant and tasted sour, but at least it was water. He handed it to the apostle, who was chewing slowly on the bread, and mentally added fresh water to the list of food and supplies he would bring back next time he visited. Perhaps he could manage a little wine as well. Now, let me see what they've done to you, Onesiphorus said, lifting the cloak off Paul's back. Oh, I'm all right, Paul replied. These shoulders have seen worse. But Onesiphorus saw Paul wince as the cloak brushed across his skin. One cut looked fresh and deep enough for some stitching. Another item to add to the list. He propped the torch against a crack in the wall and took out the ointment and bandages. In the torchlight, Paul could see the mottled bruises on Onesiphorus's cheek. Have you been fighting again? he asked. You look rougher than I do. Onesiphorus let out a pitiful laugh. I, I didn't mean to. There were soldiers and... Well, I, I couldn't get away. Paul looked at him with a fatherly smile. Onesiphorus, I know what you must have gone through to find me. You are in a battle, but it is not against flesh and blood. Fight the good fight, my son. Finish the race. Keep the faith. Onesiphorus met his friend's eyes and saw compassion, joy, sorrow, pain, hope, and love all compressed into one steady gaze. It dug into him as though Paul was trying to plant seeds of grace among the weeds of vengeance. Conviction gripped him, and he couldn't quite respond. 
but busied his hands cleaning the apostles' wounds. They spoke of small things while Paul ate and Onesiphorus worked, until finally it was time to depart. They said a short prayer together, and Onesiphorus left Paul with the remaining supplies and a promise to return as soon as he was able. With a heavy heart, he left the cell and clicked the door shut behind him. His torch was burning low and only dimly lit the winding passage. Just as Oni feared his light would expire, leaving him to feel his way along the stone walls to the surface, he saw the watchfire up ahead, blazing like the sun in his eyes after the deep dark of the dungeon. He cleared his throat as he emerged from the tunnel, as to not startle the young soldier again. The night was cold and crisp, and Oni had no cloak to guard against the sweeping wind, but the air tasted sweet after leaving the dredges of Tullianum. He set his extinguished torch next to the fire and took a moment to warm himself next to Gaius. You made it, the young man said without looking up. His eyes were transfixed on the small tongues of flame dancing in the breeze. Yes, Oni replied, and I'll be back tomorrow. Gaius met Oni's eyes and contemplated a moment before offering a small nod and returning his stare to the blaze. Thank you, Gaius, Oni said, then started down the hill. He considered the apostles' words all the long cold walk back to the inn, and as he entered the common room, he saw Nicholas sweeping and serving a few customers who were still sitting and drinking and talking. Hey, soldier, the innkeeper said as he caught sight of Oni. Who's your new cloak tonight, too? Oni looked down at his still-clean garments, then up at Nicholas, showing the backs of his hands to reveal no new scrapes. No trouble tonight. Just a long walk in the dark. Oni sank onto a short wooden stool by the fire and rubbed his bare arms. Shortly, Nicholas took a second stool from behind his counter and sat beside him. How's your friend? he asked quietly. Live, Oni replied, looking into the innkeeper's reddish face. Ah, must be a fighter too then, and a strong one at that. He's strong, but not like you think. He won't ever give up. Nicholas nodded slowly like he wanted to help, but couldn't find the right words. Well, he finally said, slapping his knees and rising to his feet. How about some wine? On the house, warm those bones a bit. Oni breathed a small laugh. One cup might do my stomach some good. Nicholas poured, and Oni accepted the cup with thanks. He sipped the wine and stared into the embers of the dying fire. The day before, he had been ready to rage against the whole of Rome, the emperor himself, for the evil they had done to his friend. But now, the apostle's words echoed again and again in his mind. His new self had a new battle to wage. The good fight. And Onesiphorus 
would fight to the finish. Thank you for listening to this episode of Think Forever. The story was written and produced by me, Joe Mayers. Next week, I'll be joined by Oscar Navarro, host of the Living Waters podcast, for a behind-the-scenes look at this story of Onesiphorus. More information about our podcast and live performances can be found on our website at www.thinkforever.org. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time.